chatting and we're back cool hey buddy after a little, I'm, I'm after a little hiatus i'm christian uh we are uh of course the hot little takers <laughs> we take we take hot littles yeah um we take them hot take them little oh, whatever yeah whatever uh, it's gonna be back it's gonna be I'm, back it's i doing this i've seen you almost every day since the last time we potted but not really. Well, there not was really. like a there was a really crazy week where crazy week. you were all sick. I was dealing with a, a a death, going to a funeral. So we got a lot going on. Yeah, that's why that's why this podcast is coming a little late. Yeah, we're not super consistent. Some of these are a little two weeks behind, but we watch the shows we promised to watch. We've watched a lot of TV. Part. TV has not stopped because we we're stopped both podcasting. caught up. On, we're both here tonight to talk about Succession and the Deuce. And the uh, Deuce is finally here. Yeah, we've we're all caught up on those ones. But before we get into those, we had some house cleaning stuff that we wanted to talk about. Do we, do we want to start with uh, our our every episode saga of Apple Plus? Yeah, just lots of news for Apple Plus in the last couple weeks. Streaming wars wage on. Okay, so we were realizing that we didn't know much beyond the morning show that we've been roasting. Right. So I sent Christian this list of all the shows they're going to make and didn't actually read it myself. So I'm like kind of like skimming through the Yeah, give us the give us know. the highlights. We discussed a couple of these a second. I talk ago. about the morning show. Where was that list I just had? And the morning show, I guess while you're looking, this is a good place to add this other detail that we learned about that show, is that that show, Apple won that in a bidding war yeah, with about... Netflix and Amazon, which is so strange because the trailer is such, a, I mean, such an underwhelming experience that it's hard to believe that this is the thing that they're like, we're leading the charge with this show, mm-hmm. and we bid on it. This wasn't and even an in-house the creation. That, the fact that they won that bidding war isn't doesn't speak well to... The show or them? No, it, it's it's they were competing against Netflix and Amazon, who both easily could have won that bidding war, sure. and probably were like, "Our money is better spent elsewhere." Yeah. this is not really worth it. Yeah, Netflix. to pay all these guys' <laughs> fucking paychecks. Yeah, Netflix is like, I, "We have a fucking Scorsese movie coming out, and a Steven Soderbergh movie yeah. with Meryl Streep and Gary Oldman. Like, we're good. We don't need. Yeah, we don't need this thing that you're." Uh, Willing to go broke, I mean, really push to go broke for, I mean. They don't need to worry about that show at all. No, (laughs) and I don't think that I'll be worrying about that show either. Well, and it's crazy because I figured there would be some other, like, standout flagship thing. But scrolling through these, like, they all sound like generic Netflix shows. Like, there's this one's called C, a world where people can't see. Like, the idiom. A man who can, uh, the man who can see amongst the blind or whatever. Right. Is that the, so one of these is a Steven Spielberg project, right? Yeah, I saw that there was a show Spielberg's involved in called Amazing Stories or something, which is an anthology, pulp, pulpy, uh, Indiana Jones sounding stuff. Okay. Which is cool. I'd watch that. Sure. But also... Spielberg's name they're throwing around. There's one that J.J. Abrams is involved in. I, I can't even say, fucking remember. And, you, and we kind of... It's its interesting that those are the people that they're trying to 
just put as their foot forward here, like these uh, these white popular uh, tourists. You know what I well, mean? Those... Like these these commercial uh, tourists, like those two guys. Yeah. They they kind of fall under the same Steve Jobs. Uh, yeah, ideology the, in a weird way. Yeah, it's guys who are like, we're gonna go our own way. Men going their own way. <laughs> White men going their own way. Oh lord! Surprise, surprise. We're calling. Is, are we calling Apple Plus like the incel of the oh, of the streaming services? We might be. I don't know. It might. I mean, it might be. I don't know. Spielberg is is carrying a lot of clout, but that's not their flagship show. It's this. No, that would have. That seems like more of a thing that you would want to start with. Yeah. No. I, I mean, the problem is it's an anthology series. So how know? much? So how much are his hands really even on it? I mean, I mean, well, one thing we talked about is it looks. Looking through these, there are like no established IPs that they are buying. Mm -hmm. So I kind of applaud them for doing original shit, but they all sound dumb. Comedic <laughs> twist on the life of Emily Dickinson with the series. Emily Dickinson's life does not, in my opinion, you know, immediately demand a comedic twist. I really, eh, whatever. That's directed, by, that's directed by the same guy who directed Righteous Gemstones. Okay. All right. Which you're caught up on. Which, yeah, we can talk about that a little bit later, too, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Even just to give my apologies that I said that show wasn't good, because it's really good. I mean, do you have more to say beyond that? Uh, we can come okay. back. Okay, okay, okay. Later. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just like skimming through this thing right now. The one that stood out to me right away is there's a show called Helpsters. Big Bird. Is this the... This yeah. is the Big Bird one. This is also like, this is what Apple's putting out into the world. So tell, give it to Well, us. Apple's making a show with Big Bird and a new puppet named Cody. And it's teaching kids how to code. Which is kind of cool. Is it? In this day and age, I mean, just the principles of that are important I think for everyone to kind of understand because it's like you know basic biology kind of shit we should have learned if and then continued if we'd not been liberal arts students kids not be kids I don't know well it, well, the thing that stood out to me is Big Bird's assessment. Don't you think property. kids should learn morality before they learn how to code? Hey, is this show about rearing children? <laughs> I don't. I. There, I just. No, no, no. I get, that's I, fine. That's fine. I just get an icky feeling about a show that's like. I I understand. Know, like, that who knows sentiment. what else is inside that? Man, thing. Okay, so you and I had totally different like first reactions to that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of North Korea. Isn't my it? first thought was like, how the fuck did they get Big Bird? <laughs> I was like, did HBO, because I thought HBO owned Sesame Street. Did they right. sell Big Bird to Apple? I think I think they did. I think they sold the IP of Big Bird. And it brought up something I was talking about on the last one we recorded, where all of Jim Henson's properties right. are getting scattered. Right. And we'll the, talk, to that, talk about more about that. Yeah, yeah. Crystal. Sure. But, I mean. Big Bird. Is he problematic? In 2019? <laughs> there needs to be seen. Yeah. Is Big Bird trying to brainwash your children? Yeah. You know, there's Coming a up next on you know there's a really funny uh, meme that gets shared about birds being fake drones that the government created. <laughs> so this show, <laughs> this helpster show, is like the flagship of that meme, actually. Wow. Big Bird is now teaching your children to code because birds are just drones that the government is controlling. That's one of my favorite conspiracy takes of all time, actually. Man, hashtag Big Bird is a government drone. Hashtag drone birds. <laughs> hashtag birds are fake. <laughs> fake birds. I think there's that's a whole Reddit thing. I was scrolling through it. It's oh, cracking wow. me up. You're going to need to send that Cracking to me. me up. Send that my way. Oh, my God. I'm a lurker, not a user on that thing. <laughs> what else is... So anything else popping out on that list? I don't know. Snoopy in space? There's a movie? Are you kidding me? Peanuts? I That's... guess they bought... Do they buy... Did they buy the Peanuts? Holy shit. Okay, so there are a couple established IPs, but those are like... 
those are more important to me as like a child yeah. of the 80s who liked comic strips than they are relevant to what Disney's doing. Where they're like, look at all of our Marvel Star Wars yeah. big money dicks swinging around. Yeah. We also learned that the the price for Apple Plus is going to be four ninety nine a month, unless you are purchasing a new Apple, Apple product. product, and then you get a free subscription, which is anyone with an iPhone out there, if their iPhone's been acting shitty, Man, this is exactly why. I just paid for this car. <laughs> I literally, my payments... This phone, you mean? Yeah, I know. I know what it is. It's a car. It's a car. Yeah. A little car. Yeah. With a computer in it. Mm-hmm. That the government can watch you through. The government, my FBI guys listening right now. We were glad to hear, I think, at least that that price wasn't... twelve ninety nine. Yeah, because that would have been like, who the fuck do you think you are? Well, Apple? that's why Netflix is like trying to hook up some good shit and mm-hmm. emulate some other things. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this on the last podcast, obviously, but the lineup that Netflix has coming out, especially in movies over the next two or three months, is just like... If those were all coming out in theaters independent of a streaming service just from studios, you'd be excited about those four movies independently, but they're all coming from the same place, and it's they're re- they really turned their, yeah. their shit around. And they're emulating the company that you and I... If, if I were listening to this, I would imagine you and I were secretly working for HBO. <laughs> because the only criticism we've ever given HBO was the Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, right. And that was the only thing I was telling you. It's sad a lot of people got rid of their accounts because of that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, they clearly didn't realize that was not the best show on that. Yeah, not, on that not even close. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a silly thing to do. We were talking about how HBO always put a priority on quality, whereas yeah. Netflix initially put a priority on quantity. Yeah. Which was, like, kind of a bad horse it to was, bet on. It was maybe wise just so that they built up that catalog. Yeah, and now it, they're And I think ready. a lot of shows, even the ones that weren't as popular, maybe found their audience, you know? Like, I hear a lot of people talk to me about Netflix shows that I have never yeah, even that's true. laid eyes on. I, I'm sure we, bo- we both watched The Society. We watched The Fucking Society, exactly. I watched uh, Casa de Papel, which is a Spanish <laughs> show that they bought about a heist. Sure. they ha- I mean, there's a lot of stuff to take in on there. And it's, I mean, and it hasn't all been bad, but there, but it's there was hard. definitely a period, but like, it's, like a year ago, year and a half ago, where, like, it was just but it's, garbage. it's a risky game as a viewer when you're doing that, because you're like, well, I don't want to start a fucking show that's mm-hmm. not going to be very good, or was, like, maybe the most popular show in a foreign country, because they, they buy a lot of foreign stuff. Yeah, the foreign thing is, like, blown up. A lot of my recommends are foreign language yeah. sitcoms and dramas. Uh, so. Huck was telling me today to watch this British show that is basically The Wire, and I was like, you had me. Well, yeah, I mean, you got me there. saying that. Sure. God damn it. Yeah. Because HBO makes the best shit. Mm-hmm. Watch The Wire, everyone. Yep. Maybe we'll do a Wire retrospective. Fuck off. I would love to. Would Who's love your to. favorite Wire character? Uh... We've had this discussion before, and when you play this game with anyone... You I can never remember anyone's name. You either. have to take Omar off the table. Yeah. Because he's clearly everyone's favorite character. My favorite character is Bunk. Mine is Freeman. You like Freeman? Yeah, Freeman and Bunk are yeah. like two of the fucking best actors. Wendell Pierce, I can't, for, I can't remember... Uh, I wonder what name. that says about our personalities. <laughs> that those are the two guys we pick. That you're a wizened old... Uh... Yeah, I'm making dollhouses, and you're getting drunk on the train tracks. No, I don't think that's <laughs> and I And I'm setting myself on fire in a, in, a pink, in a pink bathroom with a cigar. Talking about your wife. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Happy now, bitch. Happy, bitch. I love yeah, Bunk is fantastic. Absolutely. And there's, I mean, there, and there's so many characters along the way that are 
incredible, but I love See, those guys. This was a conversation about Apple TV, and now we're just going back to how great The Wire is, which says a lot about the content Apple TV has coming out. We're we're kind of bored with what we're seeing. Yeah, here. yeah. So, and not excited that our phones are dying either. No. Um. Yeah, not excited to know that I'm probably gonna have to watch all these shows if I. That's tough. That is tough. Conspiracy theory for throwing them out there. Big Bird is a drone. <laughs> Apple's trying to make you buy a new phone if you're not trendy enough to afford, yep. you know, a new one. That's all real shit. Uh, all right, well we can we can move on from Apple Plus. Move on. To, move back on to Netflix because we wanted to talk a little bit. I haven't gotten as deep. Uh, oh, you finished it. Oh, no. you got something else? Yeah, the Henson stuff. The Henson stuff. So good. About, so that'll lead us right into. Yeah, this. Big Bird. Big Bird has apparently been sold to Apple TV and. Uh -huh. HBO owns is Sesame Street. Is he a scrub? Are we, call, are we calling him a scrub? Or scab, I mean? No, I feel bad is for Big him. Big Bird a scab? I, I can't believe, like, if Jim Henson were alive, I feel like he'd be in pain to watch Big Bird be sold from Sesame Street. Like, Sesame Street's where Big Bird lives. And now he's going to be on a show about coding with a new puppet that we've never met. I kind of wanted, Meg, I kind of wanted to cry when you said Sesame Street is where Big Bird lives. <laughs> Big Bird lives on Sesame Street and they sold him. I don't know if this is true. I'm gonna have to verify He's that. He's probably got a great rent control department. I'll look it up on the break if, H, or if HBO sold Yeah, sold we'll Big have Bird. to get deeper into that. But but what you the want- The bidding to... war for Big Bird. Oh my God. Apple TV won that one too. They're winning all the bidding wars. Killing it. Give me that show. Oh my god. We were talking earlier how funny those Hollywood producers must be. They're like, yeah, Gordon made the deal. <laughs> he got fucking Big Bird, he baby. Got we got Big Bird! Wow, that's amazing stuff. We got him. We got the Big Bird. <laughs> the intern's like, what They're is like, it? Bald Eagle secured. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> So what? You, so the anyway. rest, the rest of the Henson stuff you wanted to talk about is how yeah. it's so, even interesting that the Dark Crystal is on Netflix. That's yeah, that one got sold to Netflix. But that is, I guess, going to maybe go to Disney in a couple of years. Who knows? If that's they, what's if going they on with all that stuff. I mean, where that's kind of what's going on with Spider Man right now because Sony owned the film rights. Marvel owns the comics or whatever. Different, pro different what kind is of the, properties. Is there? But what is it with like I, if they want to make a Spider Man TV show? I think it's. Well, that's, I think that's still owned by Marvel, because they make, well, I don't fucking know, because Marvel shows are all, all those Marvel shows that were on Netflix, I think, are going to Disney, too. Really? Uh-huh. Because wow, they own all weird. of Marvel, but uh, it's a different medium in print than it is on film. Right. So Marvel, I think, owns print Spider-Man, but Sony owns film Spider-Man. And, For... and they were making deals on the last few movies. It's been like a huge nerd contentious thing that... Frankly, I was not that yeah, invested in. I don't have a horse in that race. I mean, I thought the animated Spider-Man was the best one anyway. I haven't seen a Spider-Man movie in anyway, almost 20 years. We were supposed to be getting onto the Dark Crystal. Yeah, so we yeah, and I haven't and I haven't finished it. So I've only watched those first two episodes, but I we were just going to kind of generally touch on it. Touch. Well, I I just kind of want to talk about the Dark Crystal itself. The the thought of the dark the crystal. thought of the dark crystal because that is one of my the platonic and there was a category that I remember wanting to do with you really bad, of like the top ten movies like live action movies that we wore out as children because that was definitely one that I I yes. watched a lot like the my VHS was getting scratchy on that yeah one. exactly and we have brought like teased this for weeks and weeks talking about it that like that was one of the first nostalgia based reboots. That we were like, oh, that one's really coming. 
<laughs> that that's hit me where I live. Yes. Like I'm gonna watch that. Yeah, it's personal now. Yeah, <laughs> but when you watch the new one, which I like, I th- you didn't feel it. I don't feel. I don't have any of the nostalgia strings pulled for me when I see you know this kind of new batch of characters in this land and 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 the one and I know that a lot of it because we I brought this up to you immediately that the just the way that it looks. It's just too much for me. Well, man, we, I, it's hard to like discuss too deep with you on this because sure, you, that's why I just like want to kind of generally there's a touch the there's a really good documentary after the whole thing, right? And I know that a lot of it is still being done live, but the way that the old one looks and the way that the old Henson ones look that right. are like full out puppet theater. Is it's like really, so exciting, and I, I know that it's. And I said this to you the other day: is that it's, it's ridiculous of me to expect something in twenty nineteen to look like that. It's like wanting, it's like wanting movies to look like those BBC checkoff adaptations from the seventies. I'm like, why don't movies to look like that? Like, it's totally silly of me, but I don't come to the Dark Crystal for its expansive, like illuminating right. lore. Yeah, you know? okay. I come that, for the. I get, I get that aspect where like you want. You're used to this one story, and now they're making it into a fucking Lord of the Rings thing. Yeah. That's a whole investment fantasy thing that I'm like, god damn it. Like, I I watch these things in this genre, but, like, I don't get really, really into them that way. Right. And so, yeah, this was going off on a lot of things, a lot of characters. Uh, I, I like the main girls. I didn't really like the guy very much. The one I really liked was the one from the cave, Deet. Uh-huh. She's, like, the hippie one that I was like, gosh, yeah, that, the underground that's who thing. I would be, man. <laughs> but then, you know, I don't spoil anything. She gets a little sidekick, one of the podlings. That's a great character. So there's elements of it that are engaging when you if you invest in it, but it is like, oh, you're taking this, you're taking The Hobbit and giving me Lord of the Rings sure. kind of thing. Sure. And, and it's a prequel. And all Age of Resistance is about of, the most cliche, dumb title I could possibly imagine. Well, I feel like that has something to do with the first movie where they called it that, and they, and they, or they said there was the Age of Innocence and the Age oh, of Resistance or some oh, some yeah. shit like that. And I just I, re- and I just rewatched the movie and like totally, but f- I fell head over heels for it all over. Again. I feel like you might have like a your brain might be tricking you into thinking some of the stuff that is not actually CGI. I, yeah, and I I know that that's totally the case, but there are but there is moments that are so much flashier. Yes, absolutely. And, and they're they're every, swooping around these huge sets that are obviously not really yeah. built things. And sometimes that, and sometimes that, and that you know the your mileage varies on that because yeah. like the in that first episode the the scene of the one princess in the library and going up that really long winding staircase and the books and the pages like all over the place like that was great but some of the more like magical moments that like kind of sparkle and swoosh and stuff like yeah it kind of it looks like dragon ball z well and i feel like they were trying really hard to because part of that documentary is they pitched this first this initial version where they were like we're gonna make puppet Skeksis and stuff, but we're gonna make animated Gelflings because the uh, Gelflings in the old movie look kind of stiff and weird. Yeah. They just can't nuance the performance. Yeah. And for this long thing, they need to be able to, you know, make all these characters and stuff. So they tried doing it in CG, and everyone looked at it and they were like, "Nah, it has to be puppets." Uh-huh. And then the CG guys <clears throat> took a little, took some clips from the original movie and like added a little more performance to the to the puppet, to the Gelflings and that. Uh-huh. And they were like, okay, we're going to really try to 
use CG to accentuate what's mostly as much as possible uh-huh. puppetry and is really hard with the main race that they have like the Skeksis yeah. are way more I was expressive say, yeah it's, it's such a different vibe it's even just so performatively it's know? so funny like having so many gelflings around whereas in the dark crystal the original is like there's only they're the there's last, the, there's two, the last two yeah yeah i agree it's kind of weird and and especially because they acknowledge that those are like the hardest puppets to perform uh-huh you know they all are just little bobbing um elf creatures yeah you know which are charming yeah and and you know that's part of the reason we liked that thing in the first place of course they, yeah they're human like or whatever right right yeah it's uh it's it's strange and but when but when it's not doing those things and you get those extended sequences especially the skexy scenes because those are just like yeah they're because they're i mean like what i loved so much about that what i liked so much about the movie as a kid was like how kind of spooky and off-putting it was and this version Maybe because it's in like a Gelfling led world still. Yeah, but it's just a little brighter and happier, and it doesn't quite have the. And I'm assuming it maybe gets a little darker. Well, yeah, that on. was part of the thing. Like I met up with, uh, I met up with the director I'm working with, and I told her I was watching it, and she was like, "Oh, we watched the one with my six year old," uh-huh. and I was like, "Well." And you might want to see. And then I went home and I watched a few more episodes and I texted her immediately and was like, don't let your child watch this. It's, it's really fucked up and weird. Okay. Like, All right. Like well, that's weirder, weirder than the, than the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good. Like, see, I, I know I just need to like keep going. Like there's but... some really weird and then there's weird, funny things. There's, it's a bizarre world, of course. Right. And it's kind of weird to see it expanded and have to see some of the some of the plot lines aren't as intriguing as others but uh-huh. but every once in a while there's like a great character right and i know i just i know i need to if, finish more those are just like my I, initial I, takeaways you know from the first finish it if you do or you don't maybe i'm gonna we'll, finish maybe it. we'll come back to it i'd like to i'd like to come back to it when i'm done there's another show that i've been like demanding you watch right and we're and we're gonna do this but we want to give yeah. everyone time to keep it to catch up but like give us give the little plug so everyone knows to watch yeah. this so i watched this show uh twice in like two days because it's only a four hour show uh it's called undone amazon just put it out i had not seen any ads for it I me just, either I just, they dropped that out of nowhere. i was really i was sad i'd been drinking and i turned it on and uh it and i watched the whole thing in one sitting like a like an acid trip because it's this rotoscoped which is where they film someone and then they animate over them. It's a, a yeah. weird medium I really love. Waking Life, Scanner Dark. Waking Life, Ralph Bakshi movies. I just love this show. It's hard to describe. It's about time travel and religion and uh, and family and. But you like really responded to it, and it's yeah. and it's been getting a really like really really warm response. People seem to be really moved. by Yeah, it. I've been texting all of my close friends and being like, "Hey, you should watch this." And I haven't been really moved by something the way this moved me. Uh-huh. I mean, I watched it again the next day to make sure that I didn't, it was what you that thought I didn't, it, it wasn't, wasn't an actual dream. fucking dream. That it yeah. was re- the most vivid dream I ever had. Or uh-huh. it's. Because that medium, rotoscoping, puts you in a very bizarre place because you're watching mm-hmm. something animated, but there's a real performer behind it and a real performance behind it. And, I mean, they did that shit in old Disney movies and stuff like that. You know, they'd film right. some actress dancing around or whatever. Right. Anyway. I'm really looking forward to watching that. So we'll probably we'll either do that next week, next 
pod or the next one, just so people can catch up and watch all of yeah. it. Yeah. So this has been a good opening. We're probably yeah, I don't we're know. about ready to take a break here. Yeah. We should take a little break, and when we come back, Christian and I will be discussing Succession. And then we'll take another break, and we will be discussing the motherfucking deuce. The deuce. All right. Bye. We have a lot of money thrown around. Tonight, instead of a velvet boot, we're recording out of... Uh, Doc uh, Martin. Doc Martin. Yeah, really stepping it up. <laughs> out on the streets, kicking Nazis. Uh, Mike, do you know what my favorite passage from Shakespeare is? I do not. Goddamn fucking right. It's succession. My favorite passage from Shakespeare is, take the fucking money. <laughs> also from succession. Ah. I love that this show has basically been like, we're going to make a reference to Shakespeare every episode. Every episode now. I yeah. know. It's so funny. Like, and we thought we were really clever, like, that we saw that. Was well, I mean, on. from the jump, that show we had the King Lear vibe to it. But it's fun. And the scale of it clearly is so Shakespearean. Yeah. But it speaks to the self-awareness of those writers, absolutely, too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Where they're like, we can't pretend we're not doing this. Yeah. And, I mean, Jesus Christ. So, I don't know where so we we're... we have two episodes to talk about. Yeah, and I don't know where we're going to start with this exactly, but well, the one thing with... that I do want to say after watching, especially these, I mean, this whole second season, but, and this is not, like, a new take. I wouldn't call this a hot little take, because I've seen it other places. This is the best show that's been, like, the best episode-to-episode drama that's come out on TV since Mad Men. That's a great... The show's fucking amazing. That's a, that's a, a great statement. It's fucking amazing. Statement. It is. It's it's tough because I've been watching things lately where I'm like, ooh, we're gonna have to do our I'm gonna have to reevaluate my favorite shows of the year. Yeah, to, yeah, totally. And Succession. Succession's up there. So yeah. all right. So the last two episodes have basically been the entire I guess this is the entire pursuit of the Pierce. Yes. Uh Pierce News and to Corporation, whatever the, they're... Yeah, the uh, the liberal news. The liberal news. The liberal news. The liberal basically. News. I mean a lot of these things are like metaphorically Stand-ins yeah. for, you know, big themes. The bottles in the last two episodes. First one was the Pierce. Wait, and this is something that you brought up so early on in our discussion about I the show. I brought it up in the last episode. I was listening to it earlier. Like, all of them are... The all bottle. of them, they're all bottle episodes. They do such a good job of keeping all of the characters near each other. They're trapped in places. Yeah. They're always... Wheeling and dealing and trapped in places. Trapped and, and they have to be summoned. Shiv in this one is and like why some of them. Invited? Some of them are comfortable. Some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, Logan especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Logan is the one who everyone all he's the spoke or he's the hub in the wheel, and they're uh, all the spokes. You know yeah, what I mean? Of course. So the first episode they go to the pier. The not the first one of the last two. Of these last two. Yeah, yeah. So so where this begins, I guess the is following the Holly Hunter. A meeting to try to acquire Pierce so that they can yeah. out, outreach this offer the from Stewie. The meeting during the shooting. The meeting during the shooting. The meeting yeah. during the shooting where they were all in the safe houses. Yeah, of course. And that's stuff we've talked about. Yeah. And now they are going to the Pierce family estate to wheel and deal <laughs> and act like they are, and really impress, their whole deal is they're like, we're going to act like a happy family, impress everybody. Logan is like holding Shiv and his wife's hands and Roman goes... Pop a fucking Smurf over <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, there's another great line after they go, uh, once they've, like, been invited into the... And this is... I wanted to say this, too. Like, the the act that the Roys are putting on is just as ridiculous as the act that the 
pierces are putting on. Yes. Cherry Jones is like, welcome to this like goofy little house in the woods. And it's like yeah. a fucking palatial who, estate. Who cheers to Cherry Jones because she's such a fantastic counter to, oh, yeah. to Brian Cox. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're going to get another actor to just match him and be his In that level, enigmatic. She's fucking like, fantastic. Yeah. I love yeah. her. She's, she's a very good. stage queen. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, she does a move in that first one where she tells the, the the woman making dinner, she's like, have a drink with us. And she's like, I have to make dinner. And she's like, oh, you're no fun. Oh, I know. And it's such, and it's such a limp-wristed, it's like... A, it's, a, it's why people hate Democrats, was yeah. basically what they're doing with the Pierce family. Exactly. And I was um, fucking loving every The Logans, the Logans are why people hate Republicans. And, and that was the dynamic they're doing. And that's what... They're trying to convince the Pierces that they're going to maintain their left... Not leftist because that doesn't really exist in the media, but centrist, uh, yeah. you know, stance yeah. instead right. of being a right wing shills. Right. And uh, the Pierces are skeptical because they want to make sure that if this deal goes down, that integrity will be maintained. Right. And they have, and they feel a very like fervent yeah. superiority to the. So the, to fam- the, Roy's. the family agrees that Tom will be their scapegoat. <laughs> Which cr- I love. They're like Tom. We're gonna shit on you. And he's like, and even during the dinner, he's like, I'm the bad guy here. And he's, and he's, and he's showing he's not a, he's not that bad. They're, that dinner, it all culminates in the dinner. In that yeah. Episode. And the, and that, oh my God. So yeah, let's talk, let's talk about that fucking dinner scene. Cause yeah. that on top of like being just like such a great, uh, you know, narrative thing that happens in that episode, that must've taken a fucking eternity to shoot. There's like 20 people around that table that they're all over. And that scene goes and goes and goes and like obviously like ratchets that tension up so high leading to mm-hmm. Shiv. And it was diff and it's very different from the bore on the floor dinner. Oh yeah. Because this is a dinner where people are are lying their asses off and it's and it's not to protect themselves it's cuz they're all trying to they're at war. It's like a war table. You're watching a war room. They're doing negotiations, and they're like, right. well, what about this guy? I've heard shit about this guy. Right. One of the best moments, I think, in that episode is after the first like, little cocktail hour that they have when Logan takes the family back into that room and, start, which is, and, start, and starts which is a, breaking which is everyone theme. down. Yeah. The theme of this show is like, all right, we're all going to go have a little huddle and yell at each other and call each other assholes. And then go out and act like we're nice, cool people. Yeah. And everyone knows that we just huddled and called each other assholes. Uh, yeah. I love it. It happens in every episode. Yeah. And I and it's one of, and they're my favorite scenes every time. Pretty yeah. much. I mean. Yeah. So they go to this dinner. The, um, Shiv is kind of the one who ends up being the star of the breakdown of the dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Her uh, her fuck up is. The loudest. Yeah, and and she just keeps doing it because Logan has promised her this crown, and now she starts going around and saying, basically, and it happens at this dinner. She, they they ask Logan, who are you gonna give the crown to? And he goes, we haven't figured it out. And Shiv fucking loses. Oh, for it. Christ's sake, just tell him it's gonna be me. Yeah, and and Kendall and Roman are everyone in the room. It's news to it's everybody. News, yeah. even Logan, because Logan. In my theory, has been making all sorts of fake promises and shit, or at least testing Shiv, maybe. Yeah. And she's failing the test. Well, I think that especially in this last episode where they go to whatever that Montana convention thing is. Yes. She is starting to 
like the phrase in the jacket are starting to appear. She's yeah. she's I think so tightly wound and white knuckling the idea of this that it's starting yeah. to it's starting to break her down a little bit. Well, and especially the idea that she's fucking it up and she might be yeah all of her all of her grasping at the crown is making it slip further away. Yeah, it really is like an audition. I mean, we both know what that's like. Yeah. When you're like, son of a bitch, I want this or, one. Or, I'm going to white knuckle it and blow it. Or courting somebody, you know? Like, yeah. It's like, the more eager and you are, like the less things are going to just happen for you. You can't mm-hmm. want too much. Right. Which is kind of a theme of the whole show, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the second the second episode Also, Also, we should, we, should pay, we should pay a little... Uh, Pay a little shout because I know we want to get through this one so we can get to the next one because obviously all the, the plot that the plot that's laid in it episode fl- five is kind of over. It all flows. It's part. It's scenes in an act of a play. Right, but our guy Kendall had a had a great. I don't know if I want to call it great, but he had a very. Oh, his little drug cu- hookup. His little drug hookup. Him shitting the bed. Yep. Just more incredible. But stuff. he also kind of made the deal because they they really made a point of. The, the drug addict of that family, mm-hmm. that she had a really big sway on yeah. Cherry Jones. Yeah. And so Kendall actually swayed her. And it was like a- doing drugs with her. And, and, and even though she said, like, your, your, media, your media trashed my family when I got in that accident. Yeah. She, he still swayed her. Right. You know, and there's also- she knew there was someone like him in that family. There's also something about, and this I think speaks to Jeremy Strong's performance. I was like so happy for Kendall to make a friend, and to have a win. <laughs> it was like his first win of the fucking season. But it ended up, with, but that sequence ends up with him, right? Literally shitting the bed. Yeah, and no one knows that he's the one who swayed that girl. So as far as his family's concerned, he didn't do anything. Yeah. Even though he was the one who made the deal get that far along. Yeah. I hope that character comes back. And the deal. They at the end of the at the end of that episode they were like we're gonna sign the paper in the next episode, so this so this last one they all go off to this IT convention in yeah. the mountains for rich people. Yeah, deals are being made, and they want and Logan's mission is to get this deal get the shit done right now because they're under the stress of. I mean we don't want to really just do. Plot resuscitation, but yeah, but uh, uh, they have to. They have to. They they have this Parks and they have, this thing coming out. So they, they have, need a, de- to get they have a deadline done. now. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the first season scandals of the cruises and the, the cruise ship and the bodies being hidden and yeah. all this shit is coming back to bite them in the ass, and that's why they need to make this deal with Pierce, or they're gonna lose the. They're gonna lose a lot. It's a big deal. Yeah, I think Jerry says it the best to Roman when she's trying to get him to hustle. Uh, that rich guy. That rich guy for money is that she says, I don't know what the world is going to look like in 36 hours. Like, it's crazy what a tenuous, like, razor those people are actually walking on all the time. I guess that there, there is so much Well, it's, to... it's, war- it's very, like, you know, going back to Shakespeare, it's like Macbeth or something where there's, like, all these different, fa- there's different factions and stuff and there's... Uh, scheming and manipulating because if they don't make this deal with the Pierces, they might lose the company to the guys who have already tried to buy them out yeah. from the first season. To like there's Stewie. The, the tension and the pressure, you, we, so we were texting back and forth, ah, shit, I should have pulled up our text conversation from the last one. Uh-huh. You texted at one point, you, and it, we hadn't, you just said, this show makes me really really anxious. Yeah, and it and I mean, I think that the that like kind of final thrust of that episode from when they're 
deciding who's going to do this um, talk or whatever. Oh, the new, in the, the where they have to go do the presentation. Yeah, that interview with and that woman. And they're saying, well, Shiv should do it. Yeah. Because she's a woman. And Shiv, Shiv fucks up because she said no when they first asked her. And then she changes her mind because Holly Hunter tells her she should be the one doing it for the sake of the deal with the Pierces. Uh-huh. It's just, there's so much going on, and it's so personal do you to think everybody. That, do you think we're going to get the answer on what exactly... Rhea is the Holly Hunter character, right? Yeah. What exactly is she looking for? Well, I think Terry, she was, she Terry was, Jones called her out and was like, you're just out for yourself. I know, but, I'm, but I guess I'm curious about what she thought was on the table with Logan. Because the couple moments that they have alone in that episode, like they're well, they clearly seem like they have. Logan seems like the kind of guy who makes promises to people if things mm. go the that way. Yeah. And then what's a promise worth? It's not on paper. He's yeah. he's fine lying to people. This mountain retreat episode uh-huh. is was one of my I think favorite episodes. We say that every week. Like they get better and better. It's kind of crazy. And I'm just thinking of moments in it. Like when they first get there. I mean, we can talk about the fucking comedic moments. My favorite line. Greg and Tom. Oh god. Before we even get into that, my favorite line in the show is like right off the bat. Roman walked up to Tom and said, uh, made fun of his puffy jacket, filled with your hopes and dreams. And then he looks down and he goes, "Wow, hiking boots. Those are pristine." Really, you weren't a fan of, uh, you don't hear much about syphilis these days. Uh, Very much the MySpace of STDs. Uh, that was another great, uh, I mean. <laughs> it was a great episode for Tom. Yeah, and if you watch the post-episode thing, I can't remember the writer, yeah, the writer guy. Jesse Armstrong. Jesse Armstrong was talking about how he had a comedic background. Yeah. And the best comedy. No shit. <laughs> the, well, the best, like, Tom and Greg clown show comedy was this episode where they're doing the, the, their, the ad. We hear the you. The tagline was, we're listening. We're listening. <laughs> and then and then Greg goes, man, we're, it turns out, you know, that we're actually listening in on people. You know, it's for it's for it's for cust- it's for consumer experience. You know, we want to enhance experience. <laughs> the and guy told me it's technically technically legal, but he didn't want to put that in an email. So. And, and you think, and that seems like it's going to be one scene, and then later on, it's like like 10 minutes to show and they're like should we call it we hear you like we're here and you and we and hear you and it's like Abbott and fucking Costello yeah it's good stuff and then on a turn that episode is like so so grippingly it dramatic hits you in the mouth yeah where they have to go do that presentation it's really tense and fucking I think it all culminated kind of with first Logan like bitch slapping Roman yeah instead of Shiv and I was saying to you there's a there's a moment in that when he hits him, where Kendall like steps up as the big brother and says, "Don't touch him." Yeah, and you're like, Kendall, that's what you need to be doing all like, the that's time. What, this was, that's this, what this family needs is Kendall to. Logan just, had a. I hope that's kind of where the show goes. Is like the oh, rise man. of Kendall. Well, Kendall had a couple of those moments. I think even the way that the episode starts is when he goes to the back of the plane and turns on his boss attitude, and you're like, "Yeah, where the fuck is this Kendall coming from?" Yeah, this is way more effective for you than duding everybody. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So are you like a poetess or? Uh, <laughs> I'm like Great Gatsby. Yeah, because he can be, like he can be such a fucking turd sometimes. Yeah, and and that, thinking, that scene was a great example of the power dynamics that I think that are already laid between those characters that they haven't really shown us explicitly yet. The way that Roman responds to getting hit in the face, he gets a tooth knocked out, and he says, so what, it's a tooth, I'll get a new one. Yeah. And he she, is so resigned and, and to being was, the, the, the whipping boy of that. 
and the one who f- and the one who fucked up was Siobhan. Yeah. Because once again, she was like, "I want the crown." At, at the, you know, she didn't say at the press thing that she was going to take the crown, but she called her father a dinosaur, and everyone was like, "Wow." Yeah. You know, it was poor, and, poor form. Poor form, and also the when we haven't brought this up. That Marsha, the Logan's wife, is who the one who says that it was too much when they re-enter. Yeah. And these last two episodes have been the we've kind of been wondering where that character's been I through feel... the front end of the season. But she, but the whatever is going on with her and Logan, I think, is maybe going to continue to fracture in a yes. bigger way around them. She I did, loved. The, she got really mad at him um, during that dinner scene in yeah. episode five. What she had one of my favorite when I think it's Cherry Jones is trying to engage her a lot. And they're talking about the wine, and she says, Logan's cellar is all new world. It doesn't suit me. I was like, Marsha, you're my, you're my girl. My old world wine girl. But those are, like, but even, like, those tiny... I love a show that's going to, like, expressly put a tiny detail like that. Like, he likes all this new world wine, and I hate that shit. This guy doesn't... And he doesn't this guy doesn't know me at all. Yeah, he, he says, um, she told me all about herself one night. Uh-huh. I and you're like you, I couldn't tell you about myself. And you're like that tells you every yeah exactly. I couldn't yeah. tell you about myself in a year or whatever she in says. In our lifetimes, yeah. you don't know what's in my head. Yeah, you know my past. Yeah, I'm glad to. I'm there's some of these characters that have been kind of on the sidelines, like her and Stewie. I'm glad to see them back in there because they they turn the yeah, stakes up. I was I love seeing Stewie back. He, I was, do too. he was just like reveling in the downfall of the Roy's this episode, and it was fun to see somebody. I guess your deal is dead in the water. Mm. You know, like those girls. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the first person they see after that news breaks. Uh-huh. So another thing I really wanted to talk about with you was the theories. We both had kind of theories. You predicted Roman was going to start fucking Jerry. Yeah, the Jerry stuff, yeah. And I predicted Roman could possibly rise to power. And mm-hmm. it turns out that those plots we predicted might, are in, might be, might one be the same. intertwined. <laughs> There's a fant- So in the... When they were at the Pierce's, Roman couldn't fuck his his girlfriend, went and jerked off while Jerry degraded him in a, this motherly fashion that was so twisted. Roman clearly has mother issues. We were talking about what's his sex hang-up, yeah. and it's like an older woman yelling at him and degrading him. Like, it's weird, yeah. but yeah. They're, they don't, they're not fucking, like... She was, his girlfriend was also mysteriously not in this episode. His, I thought it was weird that his suggestion to his... Because his girlfriend called him out that they don't fuck, and he got really embarrassed. Yeah. And then he asked her to she play... She did that at the dinner. And then he asked her to play dead. Yeah. And then he went and jerked off while Jerry called him a little dirty fucker. He says, dead girl... He says, you're doing this wrong. Dead girls aren't wet. And then the next morning, <laughs> he, he went to that breakfast, and he said, I jerked off in Jerry's bathroom. And she's like, that's disgusting. And everyone was like, shut up, Roman. And it was hilarious. So this this last one, they sit down and have like a real fucking conspiratorial conversation where he's yeah. like, I'm the rock star. You're the... I'm flying around swinging my little dick around. You're the mole woman that nobody really notices. The filing cabinet. He calls her a fucking filing cabinet. <laughs> I have and thoughts, she's like, go on. I, <laughs> I love her. I oh love him. God. And I and I love that the, that's going somewhere. I guess I'm excited um, about that plot developing, where like oh, fuck yeah. where Roman and Jerry, because she is gonna get, and I think that might be where the season ends. Is like Jerry, Jerry stand, and Roman get married. Jerry, no, Jerry like standing, <laughs> you know, uh, metaphorically, Jerry standing behind this throne where Roman's doing the evil Hamlet. No, pose doing some Alex from Clockwork Orange kind of thing. That was and I Dude, ca- fuck yeah, I'm because 
if Logan dies, she's she's in place to inherit it. Yeah. And she's like, well, I know I'm not going to, but he might not sign some fucking paperwork or make that decision. I think Logan's gonna die before he picks this fucking Mike, successor. Mike, this is incredible. We're the, hitting the we're hitting the vein of the show. That's right a hot now. little take because they also they made that little joke where he's like, I would be the first to say that Jerry's probably not ready for that. And Jerry says, "Well, I guess I'd be the second person." Yeah, and she said to Lo- she said to Roman when he brought it up, she was like, "I think it's been made pretty clear that that's not going to happen." But Logan, uh, Logan, not, could, die Logan could die before he makes that fucking decision. And I and I th- and, and I don't tens- think that we're going to the underlying get... tension of the show that is like not really up front. Yeah. At all? Yeah. But everyone knows it. Yeah, the way that the show has dealt with life and death, I mean, it's not we're not gonna get some like three episode of Logan slowly three episode run of Logan slowly well, dying. Shit, man, the He's next, gonna suddenly the drop. next ep and that way this one ended with Cherry Jones cutting the Pierce deal, Logan banging on her car and screaming, we could come back with him in the hospital. Exactly. That could be our next one is the bottle. Well, but episode. we know we know that the next episode is them. Ah, you're right. We going, saw the trailer. They're going. They're clearly going to England to meet with the family of the man that Logan killed or Kendall killed. That's right. That's all going to come to a head. So, is that the penultimate episode next week? What's next week is seven. There, I think there's ten episodes. Really, and we're only six in. Yeah, next week is seven. God damn, this is a good show. <laughs> yeah. God damn, like this the ground is a that this is covered show. already is like. Uh, so okay, so we were talking about Logan or. Um, we were talking about Roman and Jerry's relationship. Can we talk about Shiv and Tom's relationship? They had a great bit. Because this, because this, this, I think, also goes in with Shiv kind of like losing her grip on some stuff, and yes. some of it is also her just like her control. You know, she's she's seeing the control she has over things kind of uh-huh. fleet from her. Yeah, and also she uh, clearly doesn't think that think that. Rules apply to her the same way that they apply to everybody else, obviously. Which is a Logan thing to do. Absolutely. But the boys in that family have learned to... Shiv's been the girl the whole time. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a different way she gets treated. Logan backhands Roman for what she did. Yeah. Because he can't hit her. Right. Like, and so there's a very different relationship. She, she feels untouchable in a different way. Yeah, now she's getting affected by it because, yeah, the thing with Tom, she... In- yeah, Tom had a Tom had a beautiful woman that Tom was, was going to fuck him. that woman and <laughs> it was... And we and I would have been like, go Tom! Yeah! On his wedding night, he agreed to an open marriage. Of with... Of convenience. Yeah, while, of, while the woman, while the man that Shiv has been sleeping with was, was a guest well, at the wedding. He then was allowed to tell that guy removed. to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a great Tom moment. Yeah, it was. Um, but he wants to be with Shiv and loves Shiv, but he's also in it for the, you know... Yeah. He, the... She, a marriage made she, in the boardroom. She was two. well. They set it up like she was gonna be his supporter, and he was gonna be the rising star. Mm-hmm. And the minute Logan told her that he wanted her to be the successor, she um, had even more power over Tom. And mm-hmm. she was already in control, but it, it was a more Lady Macbeth vibe. Yeah. And now she's kind of on her own weird rampage. And she gets really jealous with Tom. I know. Which, it's... And any then t- anytime she- that Shiv... And this is kind of the same with Kendall, but Shiv, especially when when the veneer kind of gets lowered and, uh, you know, the the, curtain, the, 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 curtains, the curtains pull a little yeah. bit and you see what she's, you know, the, the more tender parts of her. 
Her performance is so moving. I think Sarah Snook is such a... She's fantastic. She's such a great actress. If, Ke- if, if last season was Kendall's season, mm. this season is her season. Which makes me think next season is Roman's <laughs> season. <laughs> Roman seasons, yeah, shit. I, I mean, I can't even. Imagine. Yeah, sh- this. I, I, I feel like this is her season. She's the one. Whichever one is closest to Logan is the star of the season. That's true. You know, That's true. and Kendall kind of lost it, and he's being looked after. Mm-hmm. But he knows that Shiv is moving in there, and <sighs> and we and we and talk she's to- fucking up, which means Logan's just gonna go down the line of succession, and next season he's gonna be like Roman. Well, Roman's gonna do something impressive, I bet, in the next couple episodes. You think so? Or before the end? Of, do you I don't think? Know. Do you think? That I don't know. So far, our Roman predictions have been on. That's pr- that's true. Like though. he's doing some sex shit with Jerry. You predicted that before it even happened, and now they're planning some political moves because of it. Do you think? Do you? Th- <laughs> do you think that his uh, little lackey from the. Yeah, the management training back. thing is coming back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was listening to our last one earlier at work, and I was like, oh, yeah, that guy, he's definitely coming he's back. He's definitely coming. Once they get back home, yeah. and once Rum starts building his... Well, they're not even going back home. Like, So we have a... So we're talking about the they, bottle episode yeah, thing. Yeah. We have another one. This one's going to Europe. And this is going to unveil... Another thing that just like adds yeah. to the, the scale... We talk about the Shakespearean quality of the show, it's like so the, good. the scale that they're on all the time, like they're this huge thing, they're this huge estate, they're going to fucking London, they're in helicopters and stuff, like... I feel like the way we talk about this show, it's going to be really obvious what our favorite show of the year was. Yeah. There's plenty of things that can <laughs> come in and, comes. you know, there's plenty of things that Christian can come Christian wants to watch the Emmys oh, yeah. and talk about it. Yeah, Emmys or this Sunday. I kind of think we should do an Emmy reaction pod. We watch a lot of TV. It's not like we don't have a, an opinion on it. What do you folks think? Hit yeah. us up. Text us personally. Let us know. We're going to, you know what, we're going to watch them anyway by then. Doesn't All right. matter. Are there any other highlights or character beats or plot lines we want to talk about? Oh, okay. I got a couple. Okay. The the cruise thing, we kind of skated over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was, a, that was a plot that's been set up since the first season where Greg does have actual evidence to this that he kept for his own his own climbing the ladder's sake which right. is Greg good know, move by Greg yeah well taking the the evil poison like everybody else or whatever that's going to come back to start biting him or Tom or everybody in the ass <laughs> my and, my that would be on everybody and so that's why at the beginning of this last episode suddenly they're in this kitchen room and Fisher fucking Stevens is there and i texted you and i was like who the fuck is Fisher Stevens? Has he been in this before? Because F- Fisher Stevens is a like Wallace Shawn, a great character actor. Yeah, and, yeah, an all-time that guy. And is just kind of in this scene all of a sudden. And they're on the phone with Shiv, and she goes, "Who are you?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm uh, Hugo." Da-da-do. He's a parks and he's a parks and cruises. Yeah, guy. he works the cruises, and he's like kind of around for the rest of the episode. Which, in I, I know that's gonna just keep blowing up and be a big part of this season yeah. Yeah. because they're gonna use. You don't bring a guy like Fisher Stevens in. It's like the Law and Order episodes where they have like an actor, like a yeah. yeah, like a special guest, and you're yeah. like, well, that's obviously the killer or whatever. Yeah. Like, they're not just gonna throw away having Fisher Stevens, uh, right? I mean, that's like bringing fucking Holly Hunter and Cherry Jones to kind of lead the Pierce. Yeah, but dynamic. but he slip he slips in as an underling. Those two are like kind right. of or that's even uh, like a, those two are like higher management level things, and he's just involved because he's part of this one branch of their empire. Right. It's almost like uh, he's a, a a in gentry 
terms, he's lower, way lower down on the he's a baron. the royalty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that. I love the gentry breakdown. stuff. Down I mean, Abbey comes out on Friday. Down Abbey. <laughs> but in season two of True Detective, I remember there was that guy who was part of the Chino police force that you were like, that guy's too famous an actor to be brushed off, and then he's the guy that kills Colin Farrell ultimately. Yeah. God I, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to bring that up. Yeah. All right. So maybe that. Maybe. That <laughs> all right. Is, all right. Maybe that's where we'll leave it. So, right. so um, Succession is is one of the best shows. I've, yeah, I think we both agree I mean, it's a good it's come a good on. program, and everyone should probably probably get up probably on Probably investigate it. Yes, I think you. Probably so should. let's take another little break. Come back and talk about this show that um, I don't know if we've ever mentioned before that we are fans of called The Deuce. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I can't wait. Fuck yeah. Honestly, uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Huddle up. Hey, everyone. We're it's back. fucking time. It's finally fucking time. We've so, been talking about this since we started the fucking podcast. The Deuce is back. Really? Have we ever mentioned that we like the show? Oh, my God. So there's this I show. love The Deuce. So there's this show called The Deuce. It's <laughs> going to be remembered in the books, and you'll all watch it eventually if you haven't started it, because everyone will tell you to. But it's about The Deuce. It's about New York from 1975. 73, I think. 73. Season one. First season starts in 73. The theme song is Curtis Mayfield. Yep. There are pimps. Season two, 1979. 78. 78? 78? 76? 70, it's 78. 78. Theme song Elvis is Costello. Elvis Costello. The prostitution ring has turned now into pornography. Uh, there are well, and it's, bordellos. It's, I was going to say, it's not street I'm just walk, giving a yeah. broad, broad sure. stroke, and we can go back and talk more. Uh, and then this new season is in the mid-80s. So they're they jumping five years. Seven eight, years. Seven years each Because the episode one is New Year's 70, Eve of, yes. of 84. Yeah. My one gripe about the show is the characters are ageless. A little bit. Because they're shooting it in four years or whatever. Uh, yeah, but you're th- right. that's the span of this show, is, is ten years... In a little more, specifically yeah. focusing on um, the sex industry. Mm-hmm. That's what the show's really about. And in time in New York Times Square. And yeah, the time, the place, and what was going on in that industry. It's based on a real guy's story, starring uh, James Franco and Maggie Gyllenhaal, and and just and, and a, a million other and a myriad people. of the David Simon George Pelicanos, uh, fantastic island, island island of misfit character actors. Yeah, it's tragic we didn't have this podcast through the last two seasons, and maybe we'll have to review them at some point. That's all. Those are all footnotes. Yeah, let's just let's just get into it. Get into it. So the I mean the one thing about the show that is the that is the fucking bet. And beyond, I mean, I guess the characters you could say too, because one of my first thoughts watching that first episode was like, oh, my friends, all my friends are back. Yeah. I love these people. I know, we love this fucking show. But the, the, everyone's the, so, uh, such a great character. Exactly. And, and that's so real. And all of that feeds into just like the fucking pitch perfect atmosphere that that show has. Like, and that goes for all seasons. Like, I real, I feel so enveloped in the era. I feel so inside of the, the the bars that they're in. I feel I feel like I'm on the set all the time. And it's like the best world building, mm-hmm. you know, period piece. It's fucking great. since Mad Men, probably. Yeah, 
Well, yeah. Mad Men had seven seasons, and this thing's running for 14 years instead. Yeah. But, you know, but it, in three seasons, it kind, half, well, it kind a of picks fraction up, of the time. It kind of picks up where Mad Men leaves off a little bit in terms of American history, and like especially New York and California. Yeah, now we're entering the 70s and the 80s, and things are getting darker. But it's also like a very different... This is This is where the Mad Men would not go. This is where poor people are. This is where people are just trying to scrape by and do deals and stuff like that. Well, they're in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah, but I mean, there's like, it's a bunch of hookers and pimps and... Sure, it's a very different world. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Initially, in the first season, at least initially, like, yeah. they are not, they're not making money and stuff. In the new season... Well, but even in this, but even in the third season, Times Square is, like, is dangerous and... And sketchy as it ever was. Yeah. I mean, probably even more so. You have the this, and this is part of the. This is something that David Simon and Pelicanos do so well, weaving your kind of like street crime world with your police force world, so seamlessly. Like where you're kind of like. Yeah, and the police world was like more the focus on the wire end, and this one really is more about the crime world. It isn't and, Treme too. Yeah. Yeah. But the cops are like their storyline is is a B C story, you know, and it and it's relevant. And we're gonna see, I think, it come to a head this this season where the show is is sure. basically defunct. Sure, I feel like we're being kind of vague. We should probably get into okay. Let's get specific. Let's get like I mean, let's talk about and this. I guess I just want to even get more vague because the thing that we admire so much about the show is how is the kind of minimal explosiveness of the the plot points and linchpins of the plot because the plot is very slow going and and, and it happens by these tiny Chekhovian degrees all the time. You're the, following so many storylines. Mm -hmm. That's what The Wire did too. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a, a one man show. It, well, The Wire... If it was anybody's, it was the if it was anybody's, if it was anybody's, it was McNulty's, and if this is anybody's, it's Franco's. Absolutely. Or Maggie Gyllenhaal's, I yeah. suppose. They're giving you and Treme. If it's anybody, it's Wendell Pierce's. It's Bunk's show. Okay. Uh, well, Poor Treme. Well, but then again, I mean, there's also uh, there's also several people that I guess that they they balance the ensemble yeah. so well. Yeah, I there's mean, yeah. That's part of like what what makes those guys such good. I mean, obviously Pelicanus and. A, a great novelist in his own right, but like, what makes those guys such good television showrunners is just like all the plates that they can balance. That did they all three? Did they both work on all three of those? Mm -hmm. Man, what a great team! I mean, si I mean, I know that the Simon Pel Pelicanus, was the... Pelicanus was a writer, and I think that I Simon was a showrunner on. He the was wire. a showrunner on that one, but yeah. I know that I've read that I guess Pelicanos in the because that was a the wire writing room was like a really <clears throat> heated it was a it was a bunch of fucking crime writers and I guess that Pelicanos was the tiebreaker okay of course he would be I know <laughs> I know it's yeah. so easy to like romanticize those guys like the detectives that they write well, about. That, you know those kind of guys are so funny I know we love detective guys but the writers there's like a story I remember hearing about a, a like a 
mystery writers meeting and it's all these hard ass drunk guys pretending that they are the hardest man in the room basically yeah. like yeah. just dick swinging shenanigans yeah, yeah. or whatever uh all right so, all right so more specifically about the deuce i guess we can kind of attack this character by character because there's so many every scene yeah, every, that's a good way to do it. every scene that someone has is a highlight of the episode pretty much i mean so let's start with paul in this season, Paul yeah, is now running his theater company. Well, but obviously, so we're jumped into 1985. This is like the the beginning crest of the wave of the AIDS crisis. Yeah, that's a like one of the biggest plot points of this whole thing. Because and it's, it's something all about that in season two we knew was coming and, for Paul. Yeah, and nobody knew. But also, uh, Sabatka, who's only <laughs> sleeping with women, his scare is running around, sure. sleeping around, because nobody knew what was going on. And that, and that kind of helps to just like layer the fear... That was yes. that, that went through all of yeah. all of the country and probably especially in New York. And uh, the the in the closet cop is putting a condom on a guy before he blows him. Like nobody knew what was going on. Yeah, and that's part of, and that's one of the I think the more beautiful things that Paul does in those because you see that he's and he's with in, a, in yeah, season two he's starting to open his own clubs and he opens like a fancy bar and he's opening his bathhouse and he opens and he's sleeping around enough that we're like man the next season is gonna be all about the AIDS crisis yeah but so he's trying to in the in the front room of his bathhouse thing he has a lot of literature out there he's making sure that there's condoms like he's I mean he's such he's such a an authentic wonderful character that you Paul's one of our mains that we follow through the whole thing and I think Uh, they've punched his character up quite a bit too yeah from like the i think that in season one he just comes in to interview with the bar and i do man you know the scenes one of the things this show's so good but the scenes in the theaters i love yeah i know we i knew I we love. both come from theater backgrounds and we we're like uh there's the the his boyfriend the actor has such a great line after Paul sees him open the show about, I guess, I guess it's about a couple, uh, a couple of guys in a concentration camp that fall in love. That's probably a real play that we should look up. It looks like they loved it. Yeah, they would drop a Christopher Durang reference. Yeah, there's Durang reference in this one, but he's, uh, his boyfriend says to him, he's, Paul is like showering him with compliments about the performance. And he says something that I have said so many times and have heard other actors say when they don't want to talk to somebody about the show that... Oh, that plays really hard to fuck up. Ah, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Where you're like, we're just, we're just, we're just leaning on the yeah. writing, man. That's all you gotta just do. Just say what you're saying and hope it'll work. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I and the God, the scene where that actor takes his, takes his makeup off, and you can see the AIDS lesion, like sarcoma thing, starting. It's yeah. It's so it's so brutal. I was just reading an article in the New Yorker about this new play in New York called The Inheritance that I guess is kind of re- it's trying to reminisce about the loss that happened in the eighties and they talk about that about that in the after the episode in the in this last one, just like how overwhelming the sense of loss that took that community like you know the theater community especially in the 1980s like it's so hard for us to imagine that the magnitude of that sure and i and i and i think that the show's doing such a nice delicate job dealing with that and it's that's like one of the emotional very, cores of that's this that's a very important season. generational thing i think you know like we're not we are too young to to be the generation that was impacted the same way and granted you know that's still a huge thing but i don't know Anyway, Paul's Paul's stuff is great. I I wanted to cite him I, first because really, those scenes. Well, those that's scenes kind of the most important plot, I think. 
in the in the, in the grand scheme yeah, of everything, this is yeah. a show about the sex industry and about sex, and that was the most important thing happening at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite interaction was when Franco, Frankie, Franco's the 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 wilier of the Franco brothers yes, in this, the wily this, Franco yeah. brother. He walks up to Paul and he says, "Hey, sailor." And Paul says, "Oh, that's not hey, that's not Frankie. That's uh, the on the level one." No. Oh, is it? Yeah. God damn. So this is one issue I have with the Franco brothers. <laughs> I have to track them by their it's, haircut. It's their haircuts. It's yeah. a fucking haircut. Yeah. Because he just does like and the decisions they make. <laughs> because you're like, well, one will make the dumber decision. You're right. That was Vincent. Yeah. Vincent. Yeah. Because he's the Frankie's he, running around. He's the one who gave Paul the loan to open all those places. So the thing that's free in the last one that I know freaked both of us out. What are you going to run for? A town whore? No. You're you're a shoo-in. That Frankie's selling all these these tapes around town and he gets hooked up with this guy who's splicing kitty porn into it. That was was like the brutal turn of that second episode. That's the most brutal turn of the entire show. Absolutely. Like, ugh. That just makes everyone's guts turn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. And it is, I mean, and it's such, it's such like classic it si- was- Simon Pelicanos, uh, like character twisting to have the mob guy be like, you disgusting fuck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should have come to me. That I know that guy's constantly personally hurt by it because Frankie is Frankie listens to no one. He's one of the he is one of the more frustrating characters that I've dealt had to deal with in a show where he literally makes he he goes the wrong way every time. Well, and I feel like and we kind of know through the personal story that inspired this whole show that exactly. he's probably gonna die this season. Yeah, the real whether it's at the hands of the mob or the, what it is. This like, story is based on a, the, a real Vincent and yeah. his brother died. Which I imagine is the conclusion of the show is that we're gonna see Frankie die, which and, is unfortunate because and they and Vincent will leave the life. Yeah, and they, I mean, and they're setting. I mean, they're setting that tragedy up early in this show uh, with Frankie doing the family portraits with him and his two sons and his wife that yeah. I think have all been born since the the end of the last season. Correct? Yeah, because they're because they're fairly That's what, young. That, in the last season, they were starting to settle down. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, the show has a trajectory of their ages and sort of a downfall that goes along with that in yeah. the whole thing. Like now we're getting into really dark territory. The first mm-hmm. season's obviously had like horrendous you know treatment of prostitutes or mm-hmm. the women's rights things going on in yeah. in the late 70s yeah. and now we're god this this is getting depressing already we've talked about some awful things already so let's talk about some things that we well i so <laughs> what do we what's not going to make everyone super depressed i don't know i mean <sighs> Because the show is still full of energy and million characters. Exactly. It's, it's, it's full of so much energy, and it really is full of so much compassion all the time. I mean, in this last episode, one of the more tragic things that happens is one of the prostitutes you meet in the first season is coming down with some horrible, horrible illness that I guess is maybe... She has AIDS. She, yeah. And, yeah, and it's because, probably, because it's, women can get it. Too. Yeah, like and, is, and it's it. probably about to kick it right then and there. But like those women rally around each other, and it's the show is so about camaraderie and clinging to each other to to you know to to make it through somehow. And this like rising up into legitimizing what they're doing, you know, like yeah. like there's I've, maybe we should go character by character. Like, <laughs> okay, Candy, we first saw love, we first uh, yeah. saw her arc has been fantastic, mm-hmm. and I really love that actress. I'm sorry. Her, I don't Jonah. 
No, the other, the younger girl, not Candy, the, oh fuck, what's the? Lori. Lori. Yeah. She first came into town as like a little Wisconsin girl or whatever. You meet her coming off of the bus. In the first episode, and she has a horrible pimp who's a fantastic character, Cece, who is now gone. Mm, now but now she's a, a porn actress out in LA. She's a star. Like, now. That arc of, like, she rose up into that. Like, she was rising up. Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, Candy, she was a prostitute who was out on her own without a pimp, being the wily one, and yep. now she's risen up as this porn director. And she's, one of my favorite lines, I, I can't remember if this is the first episode or the second episode, where she says, I'm huge in Europe, Harvey. <laughs> Yeah. Because part of her, because her plot is about how... The stuff she does she's is... She's more of an art house, like, feminine view erotica director. Yes. And which is not doing as well in America because they want to shove pieces of corn up girls' asses. Yes. Uh, and she's yeah. not going to get funding for her movies anymore, but she's huge in Europe. I... I that that character I just I adore. They her and Harvey go to see the Kurosawa movie at the film center and and she's like all jazzed on the the art of what they can do and, and then the they, whole thing about And then in this last one it. they go see what the porn is popular and it's just like it's <laughs> yeah. just like new wave hookers and yeah. she walks out in the middle of it in a huff like I think that the the porn that they showed in, in that scene she deserved to walk out of that oh yeah <laughs> it like it, it's, it's like the BuzzFeed video of porn that they're watching and she's yeah. like ah <laughs> yeah uh, she's kind of like the the most thematic one on like the uh, creative end of that mm. because the yeah. because Frankie and Vincent and characters like that are more business end sure I mean, Murray, you you do know. have a lot. You do have a lot of uh, personal ties to Vincent. Uh, Zoe Kazan, who I fucking love, who plays his ex-wife, is oh, she's is is back well, she, in there now. They're back together now. They're like kind of back together. I mean, but he hasn't he hasn't she, broken up with Abby yet, and that relationship. But they're is they have clearly, like, and she knows he fucks other girls. Like I think that that was their thing in the last season. They're like, we're gonna get together, but we both know that the love and the sex are separate things or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that relationship is clearly doomed. Between Abby sure. and Vincent. Yeah, I think he's gonna end up on his own. Really? I I, I think can, I think she's... I can really see him going back to his family. Oh, I don't think him being. I don't think they. I don't think she'd want him or something. I can see like all of his. You can see I that can going see, and then I can her see, turning back. I can back. see both of those women being like not interested, and his brother dies, and he's like left alone at the end of this story. And he, like, drives to Montana. And hangs out with Don Draper or something. That would be fun. Dude, if that's how this ended with him, like, meeting gray-haired Don Draper. And he's like, hey, man, I fucked a lot of chicks, too. I used to work on Wall Street or Madison Avenue. Really, man? That's crazy. And he's like, I've done a lot of acid. He's just got a big beard. Wow. It's like Tommy Chong Dude, give me the, oh, my God, give me the, the, the Don and Don Vincent. from 85. <laughs> Oh my god. Like the, like, let, the, let, oh my god. If Pelicanos and David Simon and Matthew Weiner can make a show like in the, said, like in the 90s, where Don's like in his 70s and Frankie's in his, like his 50s and they're hanging out in like Boulder. Oh my god. <laughs> can I, uh, I, it would they be. They like start the Telluride Bluegrass Festival together in the early <laughs> 90s. They, they, like, like, they, one of them like teaches at Naropa. Don's teaching like marketing in Europa. 
and Frankie's teaching. Um, he's teaching existential marketing. No, he's teaching. He's teaching like sex industry, cl- like business. Oh he's my! He's teaching a business oh class on the sex industry. They both were getting a rope. Oh my god! And they throw frisbees around. I went to Boulder, and I'll tell you one thing about Naropa. Where the fuck? Alan, Alan, um, uh, it was started by beatniks. Started by Guinness. Ginsburg, yeah. Ginsburg. There's, there's Jesus a, Christ. I, Guinness a, is what I should be more drunk on. Holy shit. But nobody who ever starts at Naropa leaves Naropa. Right. And nobody who ever leaves Naropa started at Naropa. Yeah. <laughs> Flyby. Yeah. You it's, stop, it's a layover it's college. A, it's a silly place. It's a silly place. Because Boulder's weird enough as it is. Dude. Uh, but I would love to see that show. Okay, give me another. <laughs> let's talk about another character. Uh... Well, well, we didn't really talk about there's Lori. Some, I, there's we, some that we're mad that we're not seeing enough of. Uh, it's, where the fuck is Larry Brown? Where are a lot of the black people? Yeah, that's the thing um, that we've brought we've got, up we've really got, early We've on. got Black Frankie, who we've always adored. Black Frankie's a fucking great But character. he's not really... He's always been, like, a guy who's around. Well, and, like, his... Uh, the, the, his what happened to Larry Brown at the end of the last uh, The way season? that uh, Black Frankie's quiet... Like is matters. It's part of his character. Sure, he's. But he, Larry Brown was a very, a very active ingredient to the entire well, energy of the show, and he's fucking gone yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, he was the gregarious one. Frankie and Black Frankie killed Cece. That's how season two ended. Yeah. What happened to Larry Brown at the end of Where season the fuck? two? I can't remember. He was like he get, was just doing porn. He stuff. was like getting bigger as a porn star. Maybe we'll see him come back. And we goddamn better. Well, maybe it'll matter when it does. And you'll be like, oh, that's what happened to him. Or you'll be like, oh, that's what happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I Either just, way, they'll, I think they're going to have to... I mean, to, I just miss that guy's energy. He was one he of He didn't the, die or something, right? He better fucking not have. No, like, I, I'm not forgetting him just no. leaving the storyline, right? No. I uh, know. It's annoying. I thought that... I mean, if anything, maybe did he... I don't know. Anyway. It... I just want to see that fucking character. God damn. I'm going to rewatch this whole show in like a year. And yeah. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. Uh, I mean, Slim Charles popped up in that one. That's not his name in this show, but that's what I always think of him as. Slim Charles. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> was he in this season? They yeah, he was, to... in the, he was in episode two. Did they go to his deli? Yeah, his they were at the diner, yeah. Yeah, I would love... He uh, did have like a 1980s haircut. I also like, really ah. love... Uh, I call her... I call her Madonna, or the one with the little gap in her teeth. Oh, yeah. She had a great episode, too. She's had a great growth and arc as a character, because she was kind of one of the background, goofy little prostitutes in the first season. I am, you know, I am sad that from season one we lost uh, Whispering Richard, Quiet Richard, what was his name? Oh, yeah, the white pimp. The white pimp. He was hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> they never explained what happened to him. There were a lot... They can't a, do that to Larry Brown, though. He was in two fucking seasons of the show. Yeah, that's tough. But, you know, the the nature of the show, it kind of can be like seven years have passed, and he, he disappeared. Because that kind of happens sometimes. That was an era when you could disappear. Well, even now, you know, there's some people. No who, one's tracking you on Instagram, like when well, we're sure, where you Yeah, are. they could be. You never know what happened to them. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, people will lose touch, and if he fell out of the circle, I suppose. But it sucks not to see a little of the characters. We he love. was in the movies. I love uh, Murray, right? So Harvey. Harvey. Fucking Harvey. Yeah, that guy. That guy's great. His relationship. Crumholtz. Yeah, him and him and Maggie Gyllenhaal. I those scenes I always like 
really lock in on. Yeah. Oh, so that that's a great place. I mean, we talked about Maggie Gyllenhaal a little bit, but we didn't bring up that Corey Stoll just appears in this show. Yeah. And I guess that that guy has one character. We talked. I guess we talked about. Yeah, this it's anyway. weird. You you uh used to be such a Corey. St- I was a huge. I was a huge. And I and I'm not not a fan of him. I thought he was so good in that first season of House of Cards. I, I the see the seagull the, the fucking seagull movie he's he's really good but I feel like I've seen him be, I guess who knows I, man maybe we haven't seen enough that character might be a total fucking psycho yeah he might but he but the character that he's playing in that in those two episodes is the same character that he plays in Girls only he's dating the uh, Elijah character instead of. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Mm, mm. It's the same thing. Like he he puts on the he puts on the soft voice. And Girls is the prequel to Sex in the City, right? <laughs> or no, the sequel. Golden Girls is the Girls sequel. is the prequel. Girls is the it's prequel. Golden Girls, Sex in the City, Girls. Girls is the prequel to The Dark Crystal, actually, and because the, at the end of that show. Uh, Lena Dunham says something that just makes everyone uh, explode. See, I didn't watch those other ones. I just watched The Golden Girls. That was the only one. There's a really good... Uh, uh, it's funny that the most famous person to come out of Girls is a man. I'm talking about Kylo Ren. You're not talking about Colin Quinn. Mm, is, I don't know. Was he in that? Yeah. I don't fucking know. Um, <laughs> yeah, Adam Driver, man. Um, I really wish that we had... May, maybe someday we should do like a retrospective on the entirety of the deuce. I'm going to cut a lot of this stuff out. That's okay. <laughs> we do this every time. Go, I'm going to cut this thing around. Yeah, whatever. Well, who, I mean, who Cause, else... Cause I guess gonna, we should talk about The show's going to end up with like 25 episodes total. This last season's like half the length, right? Yeah. Which I should have... Maybe now is the time for me to bring this up. This is a surprise I had for you for the show. Shut, shut up. You have a surprise? That I finished Treme. And I should have known that this was going to be a five episode uh, last season because that's what that one is too. Do they do 10, 10, and 5? I think they do 10, 10, 10, and 5. But 10, yeah. 10, 10, and 5. Yeah. And Because The Wire was pretty even, but the last one maybe could have well, been truncated a little bit. There's the more last one, the last that. season of The Wire was my least favorite one, I think. I see, I fucking, but you need it. Yeah, you needed it, but at that, they should have probably introduced that element a seasons earlier. I feel like. Anyway, I can't criticize The Wire yeah. much. The Wire could also be twenty five fucking seasons long and still going, and I'd be into it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God we have the Deuce and David Simon and George Pelicanos. Yeah, that's fucking true, man. Um, this I feel like we're just doing a long ad. Yeah, that's what mostly yeah. what we do though, because you and I will will test things out. But there are certain things we know we're gonna fucking watch. Yeah, like, and this is and this the Deuce is a totally different viewing experience than a lot of the things that we talked about. Even Succession that is such a sophisticated like austere articulated comedy drama is I think easier viewing than the deuce to someone who isn't as used to a much more not it's I mean that plot is never meandering but it is very sprawling it's 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 sprawling and it's small you know yeah it's a tiny town and you it see is tiny, and yeah, you, you see everybody in the town though mm-hmm. you know it's not like a tiny town where it's a kind of tiny town where you'll spend a small plot line on the grocer. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. And it is just, it's one of those things, and we've said this about True Detective and stuff before, it's such a fucking cool American portrait. Yeah. You know, like, it's a... It's a real timestamp on these eras. 
because yeah, it's a it's a yeah. it goes from boogie nights. This last season has been giving me a lot of vice or um, boogie nights. Well, the, it started more boogie nights, and now yeah, well, yeah, and the, now I'm getting lots of uh, wedding singer. No, <laughs> no, I was gonna say vice vice city. I know, but GTA yeah. vice city. It's giving me like sixteen candles. Miami vice eighties shit. In my brain, it's always Vice City. That's like the question. Uh, the Deuce is like the Breakfast Club because <laughs> it's funny seeing them in this era now too. Because we were so familiar, mm-hmm. and the first two seasons were interesting because you see like a, the transition from early seventies to late seventies. Yeah. And now we're smack in the middle of the eighties. Yeah. Which they always knew that's where they were going to end up. Yeah. This you was know? this was plotted to be three seasons from the beginning. Yeah. Which is they knew. Which is exciting. I'm assuming that these. Well, they, I think they the had the Mar- they had the Mar- the real Martino brothers story to anchor yeah. all of these other little intertwining plots yeah. about this era, this industry, this place. It's just a very literary. Yeah, it know? is. It feels it feels like a novel for sure. Yeah, it feels like three parts of a novel. And I love something that's willing to to take the the time to to do it that way. Yeah, it's very precise and deliberate, and they weren't just like, we're going to make this, because when we first started, I think we just thought it was going to go year to year, and then we were like, oh, they're going to jump five, seven years, yeah. we got super excited, yeah. you know, we are like, that's the the trick of this whole thing. Yeah. They're going over a, an era, not just uh Did they jump a, much time in The Wire? I can't remember. Not the, really. The Wire, really. The Wire is just they like... Move. It's they move. They hard after the uh, It's the all event. happening right now. It's like... Yeah. It's... Tremaine does the same thing. It, it moves... Yeah, this is like an interesting narrative choice they made with this show. Uh-huh. And I think it's, and going back to the real Vincent or whatever, like at the in the first season he works at a bar and then he ends up buying the bar and by now they like own all these clubs and shit. Yeah, it's like an empire. Yeah. Yeah. All these peep shows, all these jerk off fucking... <sighs> Yeah. And I was saying to you, I was like, man, the show I almost feel like could get I'd be fine with like a spin-off that were based from like the the internet era of like 10 years, like the early 2000s oh, yeah. to now. Yeah. And how we evolved from people um se- like sending dirty um videos and pictures to each other. Well, well even fucking when the internet first came out, it was like literally I remember being like a little kid with my buddy getting on some chat room trying to be like, hey, do you want to... Chat rooms. Do you want to have... Right. Chat sex. Right. I don't even remember what the lingo is anymore. Right. ASL, dude. ASL? ASL. And you'd be like, just a bunch of, a bunch of 12-year-olds on the opposite side of the planet jerking off together. I would love to see, I would, I, if, if... David Simon and George Pelicanos want to write, like, the history of the American 20th century, I would watch it. Yeah. If it was 100 episodes long for every year of the 20th century, yeah. like, I'd please, be fine with that. please show me how you guys shoot and tell every, stories. Yeah, I'm there's fucking... 10 seasons, 10 episodes a season. This is, like, August fucking Wilson shit going on right now. That would be awesome. We're following, like, these family lines from different parts of the country. Yeah. Because you'd have to be like, well, this character, these families live in the south, east, these families live in the northwest, these, you know. Oh, God, give me that. That's, I'm glad you said August Wilson, because that's, like, the coolest, that, the Pittsburgh Cycle is one of the fucking coolest things in the world. To see an author. Yeah, 10 plays in 10 decades. Yeah, and like to get to experience all those decades in that particular voice is so crucial to that whole thing. You know, I would love to see a filmmaker do, to 
truly shoot the whole century. The whole thing. I think, yeah, okay. Going into August Wilson, I agree. Like, <laughs> some, I can't honestly believe why at this point there hasn't been a greenlit thing to do that where these, because that's a big fucking deal for, oh, yeah, for black theater. Yeah. Like, that's produced I, I the am, whole thing as a show, as movies, as whatever. Theaters, you know, theaters will do that. Look at that. what Kenneth Branagh did with fucking Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, no they made, shit. they let him make ten fucking no movies shit. in a row. Well, and like some of those would be such fucking good movies. Like they made the Fences movie, but like Fences is like so Fences much. Fences is like episode six, seven, four. four oh, okay, I think right. That's the forties one. Episode four. But the Fences. fucking dude, like Seven Guitars, is like such a fucking sick play. Like it's so cool. I do love that we're now getting into. August Wilson. And didn't you you saw Jitney at the Denver Center? Right? Jitney was awesome. Jitney's fucking cool. Two trains running's fucking cool. The one that he wrote about the '90s is like all about gentrification, and I'm like, someone should fucking do that, is that right the now. Golf in Colorado. One? That's the golf radio one? golf. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are fucking cool, man. Yeah, I like the word. Lawrence's big like bottom is like a recording studio session when someone gets stabbed. Well, like, and that was that's crazy. that's like, okay. I like that we're talking about this subject because that seems to be the only real gripe we have right now with this season. Is in the first season, like there were a lot of people of color. There was a lot of yeah. It's one of the things that they've always done best in all of these shows is that yeah, it's wider is mostly black people. Yeah. And Tr- and Treme obviously is is a very diverse cast and be, even beyond race the cast are usually very diverse. They deal with homosexuality in such a nuanced way all the mm-hmm. time. And and they're still doing that, but yeah, a lot of the black characters disappeared in this new season it seems like up to this point anyway. I think we're just we're both really upset about Larry Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really what it is. I mean, because Cece died in the last season. It's just, the, where the fuck is Larry Brown? He's the best character. <laughs> you don't often see the best fucking character disappear from the show. Yeah, maybe out of conflict. Bullshit! <laughs> I don't know. I, I, feel like, I, feel, Bullshit. I feel like this next episode, Larry Brown's going to pop up. And- Hey everybody, sorry to butt in. Uh, We had another massive technical breakdown by way of our batteries dying in the middle of a sentence. Um, But maybe it saved us. If that hadn't happened, we might have gone on for four more hours. Um, Thank you for listening. This was a a longer episode than usual, so thank you for sticking with it. Uh, We should be back next week uh, with more Succession, more Deuce, and I think I can convince Mike to watch the Emmys, and we'll talk about the Emmys too. Uh, But until then, whatever. (laughs) 